Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Crooked Conversations is brought to you by Squarespace. Things you can do with Squarespace's Make your beautiful next website. Nope. Turn I'm your laughing. cool idea into a new website. Cool. I'm laughing because... Um, Showcase your work. For the second Sell time during our... Sell products and services of all kinds. Our ad Announce reads, an upcoming event or special project. Elijah, who's normally quiet as a mouse, just can't stop making his phone play autoplay videos. It's like Elijah. maybe Elijah needs a Squarespace page for people who aren't, you know, able to... You know, Elijah, make, make your next move for your next company <laughs> and your next job with Squarespace. Think it, dream it, make it with Squarespace. Squarespace Think it, does dream this by giving it, you beautiful templates created by it. world-class designers. World templates class. that are optimized for mobile right out of the box. Why is he reading so fast? Powerful Squarespace. e-commerce. <laughs> Functionality. Functionality. Feng shui. Make it yourself. I'm realizing my head is touching a couch in Las Vegas and I kind of want to lean back up. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code CONVOS to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com, promo code CONVOS. They make great websites at Squarespace. They really are very nice templates. I like them very much. Hi, this is Julissa Arce, the author of My Underground American Dream, and you are listening to Crooked Conversations. With us today, we have Representative Will Hurd, a Republican representative from the great state of Texas, including my adopted hometown of San Antonio, and Representative Pete Aguilar, a Democrat representative from my new home state of California, including San Bernardino. Um, today, we're going to talk about bipartisanship, why it's so difficult to have bipartisanship, especially when it comes to the issue of immigration. And we are going to discuss their new bill, the USA Act, which is a bipartisan solution to protect dreamers and also get operational control of the southern border. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Um, In theory, bipartisanship is how government should work, right? Some Republicans or Republicans... uh, represent some Americans and Democrats represent some Americans. Both parties represent Americans. And it seems like too often bipartisanship doesn't happen, though, in 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 Congress. So why is bipartisanship so difficult, especially in the context of immigration? Well, it shouldn't have to be. I mean, um, you know, each of us brings our own set of shared experiences to the table when we come here. Um, but it should be a collaborative process. And if the committees work the way they're supposed to, uh, it should be uh, we should be supporting that bipartisanship uh, at the committee level. And, and it should be um, a fabric of what all members do. For me personally, you know, I cut my teeth at the local level. I was a mayor of a Republican city. Um, and when I was mayor, you know, we knew I knew who the Democrats and Republicans were on that dais, all five of us in total. But we never made decisions like that. It was just, you know, what's best for the city? What's best for the community? How do we pass a budget? How do we balance this? Um, That's what we try to do. So I tried to personally, I try to bring that type of fabric and spirit into, you know, the work that we do here in Congress every day. I would I would disagree with your premise a, a little bit because. We're already disagreeing. We, yeah, we, um, <laughs> well, but we, you know, I represent Republicans and Democrats. 
Pete represents Republicans and Democrats. Every member of this body represents Republicans and Democrats. And so our title is representative. And we should be representing everyone. And and that's the that's the attitude I take. Now, I think structurally the way our government is set up now, there was only, I think it was less than 30 seats last cycle, um, uh, House representative seats that were split ticket where they where people voted for one party of president and the other party you know, for Congress. And that's almost looked as a as a bad thing and as an opportunity by the other party. If more districts were like mine, I'm the only competitive race in Texas, and it's the only district out of 36 in Texas that's truly a 50-50 district. And so I have to talk to um, everyone. And so because my district is drawn that way, you um, bring in and you attract somebody who is interested in having conversations uh, across, across the island. And I tell my, my Republican friends in Texas, if the Republican Party of Texas doesn't look like Texas, you're not going to have a Republican Party in Texas. And so we have to go and talk to, in, in communities and places where we where, – where, um, my conservative f- colleagues um, haven't always had to go. And, and why is this difficult on immigration particularly? It's because there's a lot of misinformation yep. out there about this issue. Let's start with the premise that our country for decades – centuries has benefited from the brain drain and the hardworking drain in every other country. Right. Right. Let's 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 start with that. This notion that people's jobs are being taken by folks that are here illegally. Show me that. What the lowest unemployment rate we have seen since the mid seventies. Right? right. Every time any industry and, and, and Pete's probably the same way, no matter what industry I go to they, they need to find workers. They need to have some people that, that can do that job. So you, you have these misconceptions. We're talking about family-based migration. How many conversations have, have we been in, Pete, when somebody was like, we shouldn't be letting cousins and aunts and uncles <laughs> come in? Well, right, well okay, we great. We yeah, don't. we don't, right? right. Like, okay, if, if, you're, if, if, you, if, if we get rid of that, will you sign this bill? Right. right. Is, is and by the way, thank you for, for calling it family-based migration. Because that's that's what it is. That's what it's uh, coded in the in the U.S. law. It's called family-based migration, and I th- I think part of the part of the misconceptions that come from um, about immigration, so much of it starts and stems from even the way we talk about immigration. Mm-hmm. Right? We use uh, we use words like chain migration, and we use words like illegal alien. And having been an undocumented person. I always found it difficult to have a conversation when the starting point was you're an illegal alien. Yeah. Right? I, also fi- I also find that it's difficult to have a conversation when you start with you're racist. Right? So like when you start from those two yeah. points, it's difficult to have a conversation with somebody who's from a different party than you or who has a different background than you do. Um, how, so how, how did this partnership happen? How did this bipartisanship <laughs> bill that you guys introduced, the USA Act, uh, which we'll get into um, in a little bit, but how did the two of you come together and say to yourselves, we're going to take on this issue, it's going to be a bipartisan approach, and we're going to do this. I want to hear Pete tell the story because he always gets it wrong. And I'm going to see if he's a glowing stare across the room. 
Yeah. So so and and there is there is someone Did else I swipe who right. <laughs> <laughs> there there is someone else who can fill in some pieces here. Uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham, a representative uh, from New Mexico, who's the chair of the Hispanic Caucus. The Hispanic Caucus. Uh, this is a short version, I suppose. Will can fill in the blanks. The Hispanic Caucus wanted to do something after the president ended DACA, and we didn't know what that meant. And we knew that we feel that the DREAM Act is the best vehicle in order to solve this issue. Um, The Hispanic Caucus does. The Hispanic Caucus. uh, I'm sorry. The Congressional Hispanic Caucus felt that. And so in October, we started having conversations with our colleagues, asking them two questions. Will you support the DREAM Act? Will you co-sponsor the bill? And if, if the answer was no, then will you publicly say that we have to fix this by the end of the year? And the range of responses we received from our colleagues was was great. And this wasn't gotcha anything. This was just one-on-one conversations with our colleagues. How do you think we should do this? And to Will's point earlier, you know, not everybody knows the details of immigration mm-hmm. on both sides of the aisle, um, like those of us who spend a little bit of time doing it. He represents the most miles. Will represents the most miles of our southern border of any member of Congress, D or R. He knows this. He lives it. Um, is the whip of the Hispanic caucus. This is one of the pillars of, of the issues that, that we discuss and talk about and care about from our community's perspective. So, you know, I just think we, we approach this from a perspective that, that is a little deeper than some of our colleagues. And so as a result of those conversations, Will started having con- uh, further dialogue with Michelle and myself saying, look, if you guys are serious about this, like, like there's a place to land the plane and to, and to get this done. Mm-hmm. But it's probably not going to be the Clean Dream Act. And and from that discussion of just being honest, of saying like, well, you know, what can we do to partner together? Um, he really, you know, took the initiative to say, I want to be a partner in this, but, it, you know, only talk to me if, if we're serious about solving the issue. I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to do theatrics. I don't want to do any of this stuff. Like, if you want a solution, you know, I'm your guy. And so it was with that in mind that we really started having more substantive discussions. And there's a few unsung heroes in, in this conversation because um, I, I was on a, a working group um, by the Speaker of the House mm-hmm. looking at what is a Republican solution to, to immi- you know, fixing our broken immigration system. And it was pretty clear there is not a 218 Republican solution. And that the only way this is going to get solved in, you know, 1.2 million or 1.8 million, um, you know, young men and women, you know, get out of, you know, stop having to deal with uncertainty is through a bipartisan fix. And so um, Henry Cisneros and Michael Chertoff wrote an op-ed on behalf of the Bipartisan Policy Committee, the BPC, talking about a border security and DACA fix. And, you know, both people respected, Chertoff respected within um, Republican circles on being strong on on border security and national security. And Henry Cisneros being a well-known um, champion for Democratic causes yep. and as, you know, the mayor of my hometown, someone and I remember. And, my, and my your hometown adopted, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Hometown. Absolutely. Go Spurs. And go Spurs, go. And, <laughs> and we, we you know, they had, they had, um, they, they put out a framework and it was a great point to start having a conversation. And when, you know, my, look, my background is, is national security. Mm-hmm. I spent almost a decade as an undercover officer in the CIA. I've chased uh, bad guys all around um, the, the world. 
And, and as Pete said, I had more boredom than anybody else. And so, so I started having those conversations with Michelle Lujan Grisham. And she said, you and Pete really need to sit and talk. And what's been great about working with Pete is he does understand these issues. So you can talk. One of the problems that we have here in Congress is nobody ever understands what an accurate trade is. Mm -hmm. Does one apple equal one orange? Or does it equal two oranges? I'm pretty sure it doesn't equal 12 oranges. (laughs) um, But sometimes our our colleagues think that way. So making sure you understand both sides of, of, of the conversation and, and being able to say, okay, here is a reasonable fix to come up with a win-win solution. And so that's why um, working with Pete has been great because he understands this. Oh, and by the way, he has the credibility with his colleagues and the respect with his colleagues to know when he says something, hey, this is something we can do, then they get behind that. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I, I was I was really excited when when I saw the text of the bill and I saw who the co-sponsors were. Uh, because I think you guys are both really well respected. Well, I think for you, it's sort of like if we're going to talk about border security, let's talk to the person who represents most miles on the border. And when you're talking to your constituents, uh, do they want a wall going through their properties? Like when you talk about them about border security, what do they tell you? No, they don't. I, and I always have to re- re- remind my colleagues up here in Washington, D.C., um, that in the great state of Texas, people are pretty partial to private property rights. Mm-hmm. And so the federal government coming in and taking a half mile width of your land along the entire length of your land, that's not going to go down too well in in, in Texas. Um, but, but look, we don't have operational control of our border. Right. Period. End of story. And, and border security is a, is, a, is a public safety issue um, in, in the communities that I represent. Uh, but they say, let's do this in a smart way. And so building a wall from sea to shining sea is the most expensive and least effective way to do border security. Um, we should be utilizing technology in order to gain that operational control of the border. Every mile of the border is very different. And when Border Patrol met, uh, um, use, looks at their response time and measures their response time in hours to days mm-hmm. in certain parts of the border, a wall in that part of the border is not a physical barrier. It's just a huge waste of time. And a 30-foot-high concrete structure that takes four hours to penetrate costs $24.5 million a mile. A smart wall utilizing the latest technology, um, you know, being able to take the information you gain from sensors and beam it to the men and women in Border Patrol is half a million dollars a mile. And for Pete, that, that's a... $24 million difference. Yeah, I'm for, not really know, good so. at math, so I usually <laughs> let him, I usually right. let him so, 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 so that is, so, so that is what people want to see. And, and I think most, like, folks along the border recognize that we're not utilizing the latest technology along the border, but folks in the interior of the country don't know that because a lot of them think that that's already happening. So let's have a, let's have this, this, a smart solution to border security. Let's make sure we're getting the information that our men and women in Border Patrol need, and let's make sure that we can get operational control. And that's what that's the foundation of this bill is this concept of a smart wall. And yeah, we're getting into technology. the details. We're getting into the deep dive of, yeah, of the and bill I, now. and I definitely want to get into yeah. what the what the bill does. Just one quick point, which is that you know I, I think that, like I said, I, we sort of tend to live in this polar opposite world 
right? And people think that if you are pro-immigration and that if you are pro-dreamers and protecting dreamers, that it means that you don't care about national security. And the fact of the matter is that there are many immigrants who come to this country because the places where they live are not safe. I don't want to go to work worried about my personal safety. I want there to be security in this country. I, I want to keep bad people out of the country. And, uh, you know, when, when we talk about drugs uh, and, and people bringing drugs, um, and we should probably have a whole other conversation about that because so much of what drives that is the fact that the U.S. consumes the most drugs in the world. And so, the, the, you know, Just ask- the narco-traficantes in Mexico are making 50 at a, this, this is a conservative number, $50 billion with a B in the United States of America. And that's crazy. That is crazy. Oh, and by the way, they're not bringing that in one kilo of cocaine um, in <laughs> yeah. a backpack yeah. you know, right. in between the ports of, of, of entry. They're bringing that in in tons through ports of entry. Through our, our our seaports, and those are the that's those those are the challenges that we need to be we need to be dealing with. Right. So yeah. what we're saying is like even if we built a wall, exactly. it wouldn't necessarily keep us safe from all the things we want to be safe from. Right, and that's exactly the point. Is you know, color me skeptical. You know, for the the you know the campaign pledge that the president made about you know a big wall, sea to shine, sea to shining sea, as Will mentioned. Um, you know, it's not going to be effective. And just as we'll highlight it, over 80% of meth and fentanyl and, and all these drugs that are captured are caught at the ports of entry. They're not caught in the desert where, you know, people would envision a physical structure. Um, so, you know, let's target our efforts. Let's target the precious resources that we have on developing a solution that keeps in mind not only being uh, uh, n- you know, having national security at the forefront, but being smart on how we're spending taxpayer dollars. We can give you dozens of examples where Democrats and Republicans have voted, you know, in lockstep for border security measures. You know, so let's let's look at those issues. Let's look at those issues where we have commonality and where we have agreement. And build off of that. And that should be the foundation for the discussions of how we solve the DACA issue uh, and have sensible border security conversations. You're listening to Cricket Conversations. And when we come back, more from Will Hurd and Pete Aguilar. Cricket Conversations is brought to you by Tommy John. Tommy John. There's no time like the present to upgrade your old, uncomfortable underwear to Tommy John. You're wearing burlap under there. What are you doing? Switch to Tommy John. Tommy John's committed to providing mind-blowing comfort. Not Your just, mind will be blown by the comfort. <laughs> not just in their underwear, but in all of their incredible apparel. Tommy Upper John's innovative thing. designs and patented fabrics ensure that your underwear will never ride up. Three armholes. They the submitted waistband. those fabrics to the government, and the government said patent approved. You'll never get a wedgie. <laughs> I love it's old I, wedgie it. joke. It's I promise you know they can't cash that check. No. If you don't love it on you, it's on them. With Tommy John, your days of readjusting are over. No more fixing wedgies. You stay completely nestled at all times. Nestled, eh? Nestled. Say say more about being nestled, John. It's not just their underwear that's (laughs) phenomenal. Their apparel is too, John. That includes undershirts that stay tucked, socks that never fall down, and second skin tees so soft, you will not believe it. You won't believe it. All Tommy John underwear is backed by the best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. Hurry to TommyJohn.com slash Crooked Convos and get 20% off your first order. That's TommyJohn.com slash Crooked Convos for 20% off. One more time, guys. 20% off. TommyJohn.com slash Crooked Convos. It's a good deal. 
All right, so let's talk about this bill that, that the both of you uh, introduced. And I don't think I need to give a lot of background on why we're at this point. But for those listeners that um, haven't listened to my other Cricket conversations. Uh, well, welcome. Welcome to the show. Welcome first. to the show. Shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> You've missed out. Go listen to them. Um, so DACA was terminated. Uh, September 5th, and since DACA was terminated, there's already been 17,000 young undocumented people who are brought to this country through no choice of their own, who have lost their ability to work, drive in uh, in many states, uh, go to school, they are subject to deportation, and therefore we have to find a permanent solution for them so that they can live their best lives as we say. Um, so tell me, what are the provisions, the sort of the, the big picture provisions of this bipartisan USA Act bill? Who's going to so go? We, we, we talked about the border security elements. Right. This is have a mile-by-mile assessment of the needs of Border Patrol and gain operational control of the border by the end of 2020. Um, it's p- pretty straightforward. This is not an appropriations bill, um, but this is an authorization. This is talking about the strategies we need to do, and it should be something that's ultimately paired with an appropriations for keeping the government open, funding our, our, our various agencies. And then it's paired with a, a, a DACA fix, and the DACA fix is, is quite simple. It's, you know, if you meet all the criteria for the temporary status of DACA, you have to be able to pass a background check, you have a GED or going to high school or, or having one of those or going into that. You haven't been a criminal or spent more than a year in prison, you know, c- cumulatively speaking. And if so, that that was, those are some of the the elements of, of being in at, being considered DACA, having that temporary temporary status. To transition from temporary status to LPR, legal permanent resident, you have to do one of three things have finished two years of post-secondary school, served an entire term in the military. So, you know, the Navy may do a three-year term. The Army may do a two-year term. Active duty contract. Active duty contract. Um, Complete that. Or the third one is you've worked in the United States for 80% of your time that you're here. You accomplish one of those three things, and then you are able to transition into um, to to LPR status, legal permanent resident, and then you have all the abilities that any other legal permanent resident is able to do. So it's not a special pathway to citizenship, but as an LPR, you can apply for citizenship when the five year period yeah. is is up. So so that's how long the, is the <coughs> conditional? Up to eight years to fulfill to fulfill your status. Got but I mean, keeping in mind, as we'll mention, this is an earned path. It is either through military service, work, or or education and schooling, um, including. And we have made changes. You know, added vocational school. You know, into that as well. Uh, so many industries have told us that they need that labor force, like we were talking about earlier. So making sure that people have that strong uh, earned path um, to make it through the process. Yeah, but they would have the theory is conditional permanent resident status is up to eight years uh, to fulfill one of those three buckets. But once you do that, then you transition, as we'll mentioned, um, you know, into an LPR as any other green card holder would be. I, there was something I found a little curious uh, in the, the text of the bill um, that I'm hoping you guys could help me clarify. There was, there was a, some of the text talked about a medical examination uh, this applicant's having to go through a medical examination. What, what's that about? 
Is is part of the current DACA process? Um, you know, individuals are required to submit you know background information um, as well. Uh, so there wouldn't be anything specific or additional in that in that respect. We see this as kind of mul- there are multiple areas in which the the uh, forgive the term kind of paperwork would be would be processed, right? So your initial transition into conditional permanent residency status once the bill would be signed into law, then everybody would fall into that bucket and you would have time in order to do that uh, to fulfill those requirements and then as that transition you would be required uh, to LPR you would be required to submit additional information biometrics and others you know just as DACA is now Um, so it isn't meant to be punitive in any way but it's meant to have a handle on uh, exactly what we're uh, what the populations we're working with you know are like so so we don't anticipate uh, you know doctors on, on, on corners or anything what we anticipate is making sure that the government has the information in order to, to process the paperwork fairly and completely. Do you have a sense of what that what that medical examination would test for? Is there anything that if you come back positive for something would prevent you from adjusting your status? No, there, there weren't no. a lot of details about what. Yeah, and and, the and that's an existing. Is. That was an existing provision of DACA, so we've included the existing provision. We we didn't change that, and so, so that's, that's not, not new. you know that's not new. Yeah. And, and honestly, I, I think in and when you apply when you apply to for for non-immigrant visas, I think that's a pretty standard. I think that's a pretty standard issue. So, so the the only areas to adjust status uh, come from criminality and criminal bars, as we've mentioned. Look, and nobody's gonna, nobody wants gang members and 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 individuals. And the, a common, you know, connotation by folks might be that uh, uh, that the Democrats support, you know, everybody and and including you know MS13 and all these things become. By the way, MS13 started in Los Angeles, <laughs> my hometown, yeah. where I now live. That is where MS13 mm-hmm. started. Wait, your These current are, hometown, right? My I current we, hometown. Yeah, I thought we Listen, I have a lot of hometown. I have a hometown okay. where I was yeah. born I in a, Mexico. I have a Dodgers scarf here. I, okay. I, I, I rooted for the Dodgers. They disappointed me. But Who are they? You know, go, go. They disappoint everybody. Go Houston. Good for you. I'm happy for the city of Houston. True. But I have a lot of hometowns. My hometown in Mexico was born. My hometown of San Antonio, where I grew you up. You sound like a politician. You're like yeah. claiming yeah. a lot. Of, you're claiming a lot of turf here. I also get to claim New York because I lived there for ten years. And now. Los you Angeles. Are, you're so, auditioning for vice you know, president or it, something? <laughs> you're trying to soak up electoral I'm not a delegate. natural born citizen. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> when, yeah. when people ask me about when I ever run for office, I'm like, no, because I can't become president because I'm not a natural born citizen. So what's the point? If I can't get like the highest, you, then. You can become a house member. Where do you live? I'm, I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared <laughs> they're going right, to move you into my district. Yeah. How close to San Bernardino? Don't worry. I much more enjoy being on this side of the table. So back to the bill, you know, we. We do look, and we borrowed some text from from prior, you know, uh, from the Dream Act and from Republican versions, um, you know, that also offer the pathway to citizenship. And we looked at the criminal bars, and we went back and forth on on what that looks like. But you know, we just want a, a fair process um, that that uh, um, uh, doesn't put everything in the hands of the administration in order to make that decision. Uh, we want folks to have the certainty as to whether they qualify, um, and uh, what the certainty is to become a green card LPR holder.
Yeah. And, and there's two other elements to the, to the bill as well. Um, one is additional immigration judges in order to speed up that process of, of going through um, the, the legal process. And, and, this, and the fourth element is support to address the root cause mm-hmm. of, of many of the, of the reasons for migration to the, to the United States. And so how do we help um, you know, our partner nations in Honduras and El Salvador in places like that to address some of those um, structural issues within their country that is causing um, the the flight of yeah. many of their uh, many of their children. Yeah. I was actually going to um, because there, there's of all the bills that I've seen introduced, and there are actually a few bills that are trying to address uh, this issue of of, of the dreamers. Um, but one piece that I thought was really interesting about your y'all's bill was the engagement to Central America. Uh, I haven't seen that in any of the other bills. Um, so what what are you what are you hoping to do in that engagement? What is is it is it aid to those countries? Is it working to with their governments to see what is going on there? What's uh, what are some of the details in that engagement? Yeah. So so. And everything was intentional um, about the inclusion of kind of these these four pillars that we have in our bill. Um, as we'll mention, you know, it's done with a mindset of how do we get to 218 votes in the House? And how do we ensure that we're being responsive to our colleagues who are asking legitimate and fair questions about, well, what is this unaccompanied minors thing that we keep hearing about? um, And how do we fix this? And one of the areas we thought that made sense was addressing that root cause of of migration and helping some of our partners in the Northern Triangle countries. Uh, So what the bill does, again, you know, Will mentioned this isn't an appropriations bill, but what we do put on the table is additional authorizations to work with those governments in order to address some of the structural issues they may have. Some of those may be security-related. Some of those might be helping them uh, through other entities um, and nonprofits and NGOs, you know, helping to, to build that middle class um, that will reduce uh, the number of citizens uh, that are fleeing those countries. So, you know, working through that issue, and that's a subject of hundreds of other bills, you know, here, but we thought that it was being responsive to our colleagues saying, well, can't we just do something? And yeah, the answer is, yes, we can do something. Can we do everything um, to address this issue? No, but we can take a reasonable step that keeps a coalition moving forward, that grows on the numbers that we're going to need in order to get this bill done. Crooked Conversations is brought to you by Upside. Upside. May I ask you something? Yes. Yes. How great would it be to have the kind of support astronauts get when they take a business trip? Super great. Yeah, really great. (laughs) I never thought of astronauts (laughs) going into space as a business trip, but of course (laughs) it is. How do you expense it? What are you doing? Work or pleasure? (laughs) Economy plus Elon Musk. Having a whole team of people, a mission control, making sure your business trip goes smoothly? Pretty Uh, great, right? I wish we had something like that. (laughs) We're just out here on the road. Everything's a fucking mess. I'm just, I'm just, I just want you guys to know that I'm saying this in the presence of Chris, our tour manager, who is wonderful and who can decide where in the plane I sit. She appears to be armed. <laughs> if you don't have Chris, Upside will be your mission control, looking out for you every step of the way, handling any problem that might pop up. They've got a team of specialists working 24-7 to make sure your flight, hotel, and car rental all go off without a hitch. 
They monitor your trip around the clock, proactively keeping you posted on everything from if it's going to rain to alternate return flights home in case you want to leave Vegas earlier. How will you ever find out if it's going to rain if you don't have upside? And like sit there and have the buffet like Lovett wants to. Maybe just I wanted to go to, to the buffet. Maybe I wanted to go, go back to, to Los buffet. Angeles. Let's say, and let's the say two you... of them were like, no, we got to leave Las Vegas at 8.30 in the morning. Let's say Crack you do a, a podcast dawn. with three Fake of your news. friends and one of them tries to make you stay in Vegas until 7 p.m. on a Monday. Oh, that's nonsense. That's a bad idea. Upside.com can help you go home earlier that's not to see what the ones you love. On. Everybody listening knows that Guys, was what was going on. about more than the ad. For easy booking, competitive prices, and a team that always has your back, go to Upside.com slash Crooked Convos to book your next business trip. Sign up today for your free account and get a free pair of Bose headphones on your first business trip. John wore those today on the plane. I did. I wore them. I've worn them Get all those trip. Bose and It headphones. didn't stop the people around him from talking to him. It did not. They, they talked to you constantly. <laughs> As I had the headphones on, and then I closed my eyes, and then I got poked. I look over and John's showing the guy the map of where the German. plane is. <laughs> Upside.com slash Cricket Convos. $600 minimum purchase required within 90 days. See site for complete details. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the internet. Which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high coverage foundation. More popular than soft launching your boyfriend. More popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post. Tubi, it's more popular than influencers. See you in there. I think one of the pieces of feedback that I often get when talking about having a fix for dreamers, a fix for DACA, is people who say, well, how do we ensure that we're not talking about the next dreamers in 10 years from now, right? And 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 even with DACA, there was some criticism when DACA came about that that the reason, people said that the reason we had an, un- an accompanied minor crisis at the border was because DACA. And, and I just want to clarify, that's n- not what was driving people to come here. Um, and in your bill, in order to qualify for the bill, you had to have been present in the U.S. since December 31st, 2013, right? Correct. So it's not yeah. like if you get here tomorrow, right. you would qualify. You yeah. wouldn't qualify if you get here any time in the future. Right? You had to be 18 and younger by the time yeah. you were, by, by uh, December 31st. And have been uh, in the United States for, for, for a number of years uh, before that. So, so that's how we address it. And so anybody who says, well, well how are we going to deal with this issue anyway? I mean, technically, there isn't a bill in Congress that is being discussed by the administration or anybody that would deal with individuals who, who came after 2014. Um, to uh, 2015, 2016, 2017, what we're trying to do is use this as a snapshot in time to say this is a group that we want to help that should have status and should be able to have an earned path to citizenship. And that's what the, the commonality behind a lot of these bills, you know, have variations of those dates. And so as we dig deeper, you know, those are the questions that really do get to the, the core issue you mentioned, which is, well, how do we make sure that this doesn't happen again? Well, you know, let's work on the date and let's solve an issue that we can address right now. And, and, and what's key about what we're working on, the USA Act, is it's narrow. This is not trying to solve every problem. And we always say that over the last number of years, Congress has proven its inability to do comprehensive Mm -hmm. and partisan. So let's do the opposite. Let's do narrow and bipartisan and focus on these issues. 
build build trust, build momentum to work on some of these other issues. Because there are structural problems in our legal immigration system that I think if it be addressed, whether it's H-1B or H-2As, where it can be based on market forces. And if you make it to where, you know, um, immigration is done, legal immigration is easier than illegal immigration, mm -hmm. then you can you address some of those structural problems. But but for this, let's let's be narrow. Let's solve the acute problem, which is the one point two you know, million people that are gonna be potentially impacted by by March fifth. And let's solve that problem. Let's have a victory. And then let's start working on some of these other issues. Yeah. This should be the foundation for those discussions. That's what we've said, too, is that, look, if there are pieces that we need to, to change or add in order to secure you know, more support in the Senate or the president's signature, whether it's the appropriations bills that, that are moving alongside of this or whether it's other tweaks or changes, look, we're open to that. You know, but we just think the foundation of what we accomplish, you know, this is legislative text. This is ready to go. Is the February date rolls around as March 5th rolls, you know, gets closer by the minute, you know, this is something that can move quickly and we feel would have critical support and critical mass in the House. How do we get this bill to the floor? Well, it's tough. Look, and 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 we've been working with our colleagues um, in order to in order to to help facilitate that. But you know, we're going to need you know this is like you, you guys are Spurs fans. This is hitting a you know a Steph Curry sixty foot bank shot. I mean, this is this this could or be like tough. When oh. Sean Elliott <laughs> or like Sean Elliott. Okay, was, okay, you know, all right. Steve Curry. Yeah, we can Big give you some Spurs specific yeah. examples. Bob Curry was a Laker. Let's be clear here. Um, so. So, but it's we're going to need help, right? We're going to need help. Um, we've also, Will and I have have you know encouraged our colleagues who have um, you know maybe proposals that are to the right or to the left of where we are, you know, put them all on the floor. You know, let's 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 have let's show the American public what the House of Representatives can do and what real debate means. And let's put all these bills on the floor. Let's debate them and let's vote on them. And let's let everybody see, you know, which bills you support. You know, that's the type of thing that, that, you know, what are we afraid of? You know, what are we afraid of? Let's put them all on the floor and then send the Senate whatever has 218 and above. Um, you know, hopefully those types of ideas and suggestions are, are something that, that, that the majority can consider. Pete, did you just say hashtag queen of the hill? <laughs> hashtag queen of the hill. <laughs> that, that, that's that's the legislative term for multiple <laughs> bills on the same topic and whichever gets the highest number of votes actually moves forward. We do this on we do this every year on budgets. You know, there's a number of budgets that get put up yeah. and whichever has the highest um, number of, of votes moves on. So, you know, hashtag Queen of the Hill and, <laughs> and let's trendy. see let's see where that where, let's see where that goes. And and we also have to remember that our colleagues in the Senate are working on legislation as well. I, I think there's what twenty is it twenty or thirty um, bipartisan members yeah. using their talking the talking yeah, the stick. Talking stick. The yeah in the mid twenties is yeah. it and well, Oh, sorry. And, and so, so, so it, 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 you have that initiative as well too. And I also appreciate the president, you know, m talking about what he wants to see and refining his priorities um, and what he would like to see in, in a in a bipartisan fix. But at the end of the day, this is the responsibility of the legislator legislature to to pass a bill. And we believe that the USA Act is the foundation for any fix. Hmm. I like that. I think it's been I think it's been uh, you know a little bit frustrating um, to see 
I've had conversations with other representatives uh, and senators who say, you know, we're waiting for the House to send us something. And the House says we're waiting for the Senate to send us something. And the Senate says we're waiting for the president to tell us. And now Mm -hmm. it seems like at least all the cards are on the table, right? The president has said what he wants. there's a there's a few bills on the House and there's there's a couple of bills in the Senate as well. Some I like, some I think are a disaster. Um, but all the cards seem to finally be on the table. Right. What can what can listeners do to help move this process along? How can people get involved if they want to if they want to help? Hashtag USA Act, hashtag Queen of the Hill. <laughs> Look, I mean, and, and people need to call their representatives. And, and in its simplest form, and like we talked about at the beginning, not everybody knows immigration, you know, our colleagues or the public. This is a, an incredibly thorny topic and area. Um, but what everybody should be able to say is that these young people deserve an opportunity. And we need to fix DACA and pairing it with border security in a sensible, common sense way you know, makes sense. And Representative, you know, X, you know, why can't you support bipartisan efforts that do just that? You know, people should, you know, exercise their right to call their representatives and send them emails and, and tell them that this is important to them. And, and, and even more specifically, ask your representative to be a co-sponsor of the USA Act. We're following the, the Noah's Ark rule where we got to have two and to get on the on board, so you need to have a, a Republican and a Democrat to become a, a co-sponsor. Uh, we started with uh, our 50 uh, original co-sponsors, so that's 25 Republicans, 25 Democrats. I got a wait list on my side. <laughs> we're, so, we're so, so, we'll so, yeah, I know, I know. That's why you know need your listeners to to call their members and say we need you um, to to help be an original co-sponsor. What is your message for dreamers who are listening who like literally every day they wake up with an anxious heart not knowing what's going to happen to them what what would you say to them what do you want to say to them that that we hear you um and that and that uh, uh the pain that they feel and the uncertainty they feel is something that that we feel you know each and every day um, and that there are people here under this dome, Democrats and Republicans, who want to get to a solution. Um, not everybody knows how to get to a solution, but everybody, but but there are good men and women here who want to get to a solution, and that we're going to find any coalition we can in order to get that done. I would first start off by saying thank you. Thank you for contributing to our society, to our culture, to our economy, and that. Um, Congress works best when there's a deadline and the closer we get to a deadline that's when people's minds start focusing on this and that there are as Pete says Republicans and Democrats that want to solve this problem for those folks um, those these young men for you young men and women um, that have been already contributing to our society and we want to keep you we want to keep you here and don't give up you know keep keep working, keep telling your story. Um, you know, those are, are so impactful to us. Um, and, and don't, you know, feel free to share, um, just like you've done in your life and, and sharing your story with friends and neighbors and colleagues is so important to let people know, 
um, that uh, not everybody, including you know uh, some cabinet officials, may not know dreamers and and individuals who have DACA status. Um, but who can blame them? Because there are teachers and our neighbors and homeowners down the block. They are a fabric of our community and our neighborhoods. And so let's keep it that way and let's fix this uh, permanently. Yep. Thank you both. Uh, I really enjoyed having this conversation. I think so much of the nuance gets gets missed, especially when you have five minutes to, to go on air and, and get all your talking points across. I'm, I'm really glad and thankful that both of you talk, took this much time to chat with me. And um, just remember, pick up the phone, call your representatives, um, because it's important. Will tells me I have a face for a podcast, so I feel thanks for having <laughs> thanks for having uh, thanks for having me here. We are gonna have some video and I have some pictures. So, <laughs> thanks a bunch. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you. And that was our crooked conversation. Thank you for listening, and you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and the gram at julisaarsid.com. See you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.